Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name's Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are, wherever you're listening and wherever you're watching, you are having a wonderful start to your Thursday. Trade rumor season has arrived. How that potentially could impact the overall outlook for the Grizzlies when it comes to them continuing to play very good basketball as they are now. Plus, Dylan Brooks reaching some rare company when it comes to Grizzlies franchise history and looking at a very, very important game for both the Grizzlies and Mavericks tonight at the FedEx Forum. That and much more on this edition of the Lockdown Grizzlies. Let's get it going. <laughs> Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome once again to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. As always, it's a pleasure to be with you. My name's Sean Coleman, credential media member with the Grizzlies, have been covering the Grizzlies now for four years, right form over at Grizzly Bear Blues, and your host here at Locked On Grizzlies, your Grizzlies every day. Of course, you can find me at Stats SAC, the show at Locked On Grizz, the podcast wherever it's available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Odyssey app, free on all platforms. Make sure you listen, review, and subscribe. And also right here on YouTube, hit that subscribe button below. Hope you've enjoyed the last few videos. It certainly has been a lot of fun covering the Grizzlies as they continue to win despite you know some pretty big odds stacked against them. You can find all the great stuff at, on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button below, though. Let's us know you enjoy the show. Let's others be able to find the show. and just makes the show experience best it can be for everybody involved. Plus, it also allows for us to be able to tell you about Truebill, our title sponsor for today's show. Are you tired of those, you know, free ads, those free opportunities, sign-up opportunities for different things you want to try out that they turn into you actually paying money for things you don't want? Truebill is a great way for you to not have to worry about that. Want those free opportunities to just be that, and then once you're done with them, you're done? Truebill is a great way for you to be able to do that. Go to Truebill.com right now and sign up. Today, So obviously the Grizzlies are playing very good basketball, 14 and 10 right now, and fourth in the Western Conference standings, and now two games up in the Southwest Division. And I bring this up because we now have entered December, and it is December 8th. And what that means is, is that we are a week away from a notable date every normal NBA season, which is December 15th. Now, it may seem like it's been a while, and it has been. It's been two years since we've really had that date be significant because the 2020-2021 season, of course, was a bit different due to the pandemic. But the reason why December 15th is an important date is because what that does is, is that once we get past December 15th, 15th in the normal NBA season, that makes players who had previously signed contracts in the previous offseason eligible for trades, well, at least most of them. There are certain players like a Clint Capella or a uh, Malcolm Brogdon who are not eligible to be traded because of how long they signed an extension for, like Brogdon did with the Pacers and Capella did with the Hawks. But uh, almost every other player who signed a contract last offseason, they now are eligible to potentially be traded. And so that starts the cycle of potentially seeing, you know, teams, you know, as they continue to play games, as we continue to get, you know, a third of the way through the season, a halfway through the season, you know, over the next four to six weeks, teams really start to get an idea of what this season is going to look like 
for them and for their players, and they come to an understanding of whether or not it makes sense to continue putting emphasis on the present or perhaps putting emphasis on the future. And so what that means is, is that you're going to start hearing some NBA rumors. You're going to start hearing NBA news. You're going to start seeing things around the league outside of the Grizzlies happen that could potentially make some players on other teams available for trade for teams that truly want to make the most of the season to go after. And that is the case now that we're seeing, you know, in Portland, obviously with the firing of former general manager, Neil O'Shea, obviously with the Indiana Pacers, you've got a team that looks to be wanting to fully embrace a rebuild. So some very, very noteworthy and talented players could be available via trade. And some of those players could be sensible for the Memphis Grizzlies. So I think that it's important to certainly start to monitor some of these developments, start to monitor teams that are going to make certain players available. We're far from the time to sit here and speculate on, you know, what could the Grizzlies offer, you know, what makes sense. And don't get me wrong, I love trades as much as anyone. I think that that is a huge thing to certainly benefit Memphis as it has already in this new generation of putting the team together. But I do think that it's important to know that patience is still the best route to go for this Grizzlies team. And the reason why that is, I talked about it with Matt Herdlicka on Monday's episode, is that the Grizzlies right now are seeing that their decision to fully bet on their young talent, it's paying off. Even without their best player in John Morant, and especially with the fact that the Grizzlies have several injuries going on right now. But I still think that we sh- that there should still be plenty of time taken, that there should still be patience preached in terms of really figuring out where this Grizzlies team truly stands in the Western Conference standings. Right now, as I mentioned, they're in the fourth spot in the Western Conference. They have a game-and-a-half lead on that fourth spot, and they have a two-game lead, lead on the Southwestern Division. Do I feel that if full health, the Grizzlies are a top-four team talent-wise, In the West, I don't. I don't think that's an insult. I don't think that that's a negative thing to say. I think that that's a logical observation. But with how well the Grizzlies have played, and if they continue to play, and we're talking about them entering the 2022 calendar year, four or five games above 500, the Grizzlies, despite how you may feel about them talent-wise compared to the rest of the conference, they're going to be in a very good place. They're going to be in a place where they have just as much of a chance to finish in the top six of the conference where they don't have to worry about the play-in tournament as they do possibly settling into the play-in tournament in time. I will say, while I'm not going to sit here and say that the Grizzlies have top five, no, a top four most talented roster in the West right now, I clearly do think they have one of the eight best chances to be in the playoffs. And I do think, again, they have just as much of a chance as that happening with them being in the top six as them earning it through the play-in. So establishing that understanding, knowing that certainty, that's a boost to why the Grizzlies definitely should pay attention to what's going on as far as potential trades go. And the next step is not only knowing what you have right now in terms of a playoff caliber roster, but how is it going to fit once John Morant gets back and you hope that the you know emergences of Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain can stay on track even with Jaw coming back. You hope that the very encouraging early numbers of Dylan Brooks and Jaron Jackson Jr. playing together can really improve the Grizzlies' defense. And if those things sustain, well, then you have even more reason to certainly see if there are opportunities out there that could lead to 
upgrades via trade for the Grizzlies. But another thing to consider is this. Is Zach Kleiman, what he said at Media Day a few months ago, when he stated that there is a sense of urgency now when it comes to the Grizzlies. Not in terms of the fact that the Grizzlies need to force the situation. Not in terms of the fact that the Grizzlies just are at the point to where they have to make a trade to really get to where they want to go. Or that they're desperate to win now, like some other teams may be, even though it may not make sense where their rosters currently are. That's not what I mean about there being a sense of urgency. What I'm meaning is, is that the Grizzlies now know that once that calendar year hits 2022, and with how this team has progressed in 2021, there's no longer, it's no longer really going to make sense for it to be preached of data accumulation or seeing what's there or, you know, preparing for the future, making moves only certain for the future. That no longer really will hold water with how well this Grizzlies team has continued to progress and how the young roster has continued to progress. Because with that in mind, that sense of urgency that Zach Kleiman was talking about is that you're shifting from a year ago and two years ago to making moves with the future being in focus to where now, yes, the future is still in focus, but you're also wanting to take advantage of the opportunities that you have right now. And for the Grizzlies, that could be making a move for the right player if the cost was right as well. But that in and of itself also has significance. Yes, with how well the Grizzlies playing, there should be, I think, a bigger emphasis on making a move for a player that can help now and into the future if the deal is right. But that doesn't mean that the Grizzlies should just go out and potentially make their all-in one big move opportunity right now. For instance, when you look at the potential of getting whatever it may take to get Miles Turner or Demonis Sabonis from the Indiana Pacers, I feel that Miles Turner is the better fit for the Grizzlies because not only do I think that he fits the needs of this Grizzlies roster more, but also I think his cost is going to be significantly less, and that way he's a move the Grizzlies can make now to improve them now and into the future, but also he doesn't completely wipe out your assets covered to where you can make more moves in the future. Whereas with Demonis Sabonis, Yes, getting him would obviously be a significant, significant development, but he potentially is going to cost at a level that would be your all-in move, and I don't necessarily know if going after a Sabonis truly makes the Grizzlies into a title contender. So yes, the Grizzlies, with how well they're playing, and with it seeming like that's going to be in some way, shape, or form sustainable moving forward, I do feel there's a bigger emphasis. I do feel there's a bigger reason, a bigger need for the Grizzlies to potentially monitor the trade market and see what moves could potentially happen. But I think that it only really makes sense for them to do what they're going to look to do, for them to be a buyer if the right trade target comes across at the right for the right price. The timing now is right. I talked about in the offseason, it's got to be the right target at the right time. I think we're getting closer to the right time being there for when now moves to happen. But I don't think that the Grizzlies should be like other teams, like maybe the Warriors or other teams like that, to make win-now moves, to potentially overpay because they feel they're true title contenders. I don't think the Grizzlies are at that point. But if the right player for the right price were to be available, even if it were to be a significant move, even if it were to cost a relevant price tag in terms of a trade package, I think it makes perfect sense for the Grizzlies to go after it, as long as that player helps now and into the future. We'll obviously discuss plenty about trades as we get closer to the trade deadline, but I do think that with where the Grizzlies are and how well they're playing, it certainly is something for them to monitor as time goes on. But obviously another thing to monitor 
is this current roster and how well it's playing. And part of that equation is certainly Dylan Brooks and his impact on defense. But now with Dylan Brooks having passed 250 games in his career with the Grizzlies, he's also moving into some pretty good company when it comes to Grizzlies franchise history. I'll discuss that in just a moment. But the other thing that I'll tell you is this, is that with Dylan Brooks being in mind, we talk about Dylan Brooks, we talk about the confidence, we talk about the consistency of that confidence, but there also is a calmness when it comes to Dylan Brooks. And calm is actually what I want to talk with you about, is it's the number one app for sleep and meditation, and it's teamed up with LeBron James to help you activate the power of sleep. When it comes to athletes, we tend to focus on physical fitness, but there's another side to the game that's just as important, mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind to become the champion version of yourself. LeBron and Calm know that your body is like any other muscle in your mind, but you don't have to be a world champion to learn how to train it. Calm can help you can help train your brain so you sleep better, reduce stress, and perform at your best, just like King James. For LeBron, sleep is a critical part of his mental fitness. So if you head to calm.com slash locked on NBA for a limited limited time, you get 40% off a Calm premium subscription. Again, for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm and get a 40% discount on a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash locked on NBA. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get get started at calm.com slash locked on NBA. That's calm.com slash locked on NBA. I'll tell you another thing that should make you have a calm approach to your day, and that's Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. The great thing about it is you can have it in the morning as a snack, in the afternoon um, at, or morning as uh, breakfast, in the afternoon as a snack. But if you go to Built.com right now, you can choose from over 18 different flavors to enjoy. Plus, if you go to Built.com, you put in the promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. Again, go to Built.com right now, put in the promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. So obviously on yesterday's episode, I discussed how the Grizzlies' continued improved play is a byproduct of many different things trending in the right direction. Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr.'s emergence on offense. Tyus Jones trending towards having a career year with his production. Steven Adams relishing and finding his role with the Grizzlies as more than just a rebounder, but also as a scorer. And also the return to health of Dylan Brooks, who clearly is making an impact when it comes to the defensive side of things, as well as being a source of you know, 15, 18, 20, 21 points a night that sometimes is just simply needed. But Dylan Brooks recently also achieved a a pretty rare feat when it comes to Grizzlies players in franchise history. He became just the 17th Grizzlies player in the history of the franchise to have played 250 games as a Memphis Grizzly. That's correct. Only 17 players have done that in the history of the Memphis or of the Grizzlies franchise. And it's a pretty cool list that, you know, Dylan Brooks is a part of. You know, you got Mike Conley, Tony Allen, Mark Gasol, Zach Randolph, obviously. You know, other notable names like Rudy Gay, Shane Battier, um, Jason Williams, O.J. Mayo, Sharif Abdurrahim, Stromal Swift, Mike Miller, Pal Gasol, uh, Lorenzen Wright, Bryant Reeves, Jamichael Green, and, and Hakeem Ward. When you think of the best of the best in terms of the most noteworthy names in Grizzlies franchise history, Dylan Brooks now has joined a pretty exclusive group. And also the thing is, is that Dylan Brooks is also continuing to trend up when it comes to his placement on some pretty notable lists 
when it comes to the Grizzlies. For instance, against the Mavericks, or excuse me, against the Heat on Monday night, Dylan hit his 400th career three. He needs two threes tonight to move past Shane Battier to become the sixth all-time, to become sixth on the Grizzlies' all-time list of three-point shooters. He's moving up when it comes to the points list. He's moving up when it comes to the steals list, so on and so forth. But it's not just about the fact that Dylan has now reached a, a, a threshold or his tenure with the Grizzlies has reached a level that few others have before. What I still, what I also think really stands out with Dylan Brooks now being back from his injury and him getting into his groove, obviously coinciding and correlating very well with the Grizzlies playing their bas best basketball of the season. What I think also stands out is that with Dylan Brooks now in this pretty rare company when it comes to the most noteworthy Grizzlies in franchise history, to me, he also is one of the best examples of how the Grizzlies franchise can allow players to become the best versions of themselves, not only as players, but also as people, as personas. And through that, I think you can honestly say that Dylan Brooks is one of the best examples of a Grizzlies player who probably has reached a level with the Grizzlies that not many expected, but also there may not have been as much of a chance he would do with another franchise. It's very similar to Zach Randolph and Tony Allen. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Dylan Brooks yet is to the level of the players that Zach Randolph was as an offensive player or that Tony Allen was as a defensive player. But where I make the, the comparison is the fact that, that we're, when you look at where Zach Randolph and Tony Allen were in their careers before they came to Memphis, I think that one thing that's always been said is absolutely true, the, that Randolph nor Allen would have reached the level that they reached, as Allen being a six-time All-NBA defender, um, Zach Randolph being a multiple-time All-Star, you know, an, an All-NBA-type performer. I don't know if those players, if Randolph or Allen reached that level of production elsewhere other than Memphis with how much they embraced the franchise, they embraced the city, and through that, they became the best versions of themselves in terms of both a player and a persona because the franchise put them in a position to make the most of their strengths as players. I think it's very similar to Dylan Brooks, what he has been able to do here in Memphis since he was drafted and since he had a very encouraging rookie year, but then also ran into some injury trouble his sophomore year. And then 18 months ago, kind of at a crossroads of his career, was he someone who was going to continue to be an inefficient offensive player that you don't really know what to do with? Or was he someone that was eventually going to evolve his game to truly become a clear value? And obviously the latter has what is what has occurred. Now with the you know overall you know improvement in his offensive game, but also becoming one of the better perimeter defensive stoppers in the NBA. But I truly do feel that one of the reasons why Dylan Brooks has been able to do that, why he has continued to evolve his game and he continues to evolve his game, because he's truly embraced the city of Memphis, the franchise. He truly is an embodiment of that as someone who through becoming a part of the thread that's here with the Memphis and, and with the Grizzlies, that Dylan Brooks has certainly found complete comfort in not only becoming the player that he wants to be, the best version of himself as a player, but also the best version of himself as a person, as a true energy source, as a true emotional leader, as a true source of confidence and swagger and consistency, whatever you want to call it. Through Dylan Brooks, 
finding the comfort and truly becoming to what into becoming the person that he wanted to be, I think that's played a big role in him becoming the best version of the player that he can be. And because of that, he's a guiding light for this current roster. You hear it all the time. You see Desmond Bain. You see Jaron Jackson Jr. You see DeAnthony Melton and others talk about Dylan Brooks being the emotional leader, talking about Dylan Brooks setting a standard that many of the Grizzlies on this current roster aspire to be. So not only is it Dylan Brooks really being one of the better embodiments of the Grizzlies you know, players who in Memphis and with the Grizzlies probably reach a level as a player that they would not have in other places because they embrace the city and embrace the idea that through being the best version that you can be uh, as a person, it helps out with you being the best version that you can be as a player Dylan Brooks doing that sets a standard to where the other players on this current roster do that as well. So yes, Dylan Brooks reaching 250 plus games now in a Grizzlies uniform. The overall improvement of him as an offensive player and obviously who has who he has become as an impactful defender are reasons why Dylan Brooks continues to move into you know, pretty rarefied air when it comes to noteworthy Grizzlies. I'm not saying he's the best Grizzlies player of all time. I'm not saying he's close to being the best Grizzlies talent of all time. I think for most Grizzlies fans, even more important than Dylan Brooks reach, being the 17th player to reach 250 games is that John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Desmond Bain become the 18th, 19th, and 20th Grizzlies to reach 250 career games with the franchise. But I think that it's very important in that Dylan Brooks is one of the best examples of a player coming into the Grizzlies system and becoming a better version of himself than as a person and as a player than anyone thought that, that they would be, than anyone thought Dylan Brooks would be in the NBA. And because of that, he also is certainly a mentor and a guiding light to the other young players on this list to do the same. So yes, the stats and the overall improvement on the court, that certainly matters. It certainly stands out as Dylan Brooks continues to move up some of these career production lists in Grizzlies franchise history. But even more importantly, just like Tony Allen and Zach Randolph before him, though maybe not to the same level, I do think that Dylan Brooks is the latest example of how him embracing the city of Memphis, him fully embracing the Grizzlies franchise, how that led to him finding true comfort and confidence in becoming the best version of himself as a person and knowing that was going to help him become the best version of himself as a player and how that really stands out as a continuing trend among these young Grizzlies that eventually will make them the best versions of themselves and hopefully the roster the best version of itself as time goes on. So it's not just Dylan Brooks' play on the court. It's who he is as a person, and obviously him continuing to evolve as a player and a person that really stands out, and in my opinion, makes him one of the most noteworthy Grizzlies in franchise history moving forward because of how long he's been with the team, but also because of the impact that he makes on the court and off. Well, the Grizzlies are certainly going to need that impact tonight as the Dallas Mavericks come to FedEx Forum. Yes, the Grizzlies were able to beat the Mavericks despite playing a very sloppy game on Saturday night, but both because of the stakes in play and because of probably who the Mavericks are going to have on in play as well this time around, things could get a bit tougher for the Grizzlies than they were on Saturday night. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But of course, you know, with basketball now getting into 
You know, it's basically second part of the stretch. You're getting to that Christmas time frame where, you know, playoff positioning still starts to really matter. You get NBA teams getting an idea of who truly wants to go after it this season, who maybe wants to focus on the future, all factors that play into games. And if you're someone that likes to bet and wager, you want to keep up with those factors. But a way for you to be able to, you know, make things easier on you is to go to the number one website when it comes to betting and wagering on sports, and that's betonline.ag. With a new updated version of itself, either through your mobile device or through your laptop, you can go to betonline.ag, and you can actually put in the promo code Locked On and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. NHL, NBA, football, obviously bowl season is here as well. So many fun things that you can wager and bet on. And if you go to betaline.ag, that's the best place for you to be able to do it. You can go to betaline.ag, put in the promo code locked on and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. On tomorrow's edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast, we obviously will recap the Grizzlies game against the Dallas Mavericks. And we'll also look at, I mentioned we'd look at it today, but wanted to change it up a bit. We'll also look a bit at how the Grizzlies and Mavericks are starting to really find both the positives and negatives of building around their young stars. I mentioned it on yesterday's podcast. That's a key difference between both of these players. Talked about it a bit on the Longview podcast with both some Mavs and Grizzlies personalities, folks that cover the, the media like Lauren Gunn, Ryan Zillum, Kirk Henderson, Joe Molinax, and uh, Parker Fleming. Make sure you check out the Longview podcast. We're going to give my own more in-depth perspective of that. What exactly is making the Grizzlies perhaps the more attractive team moving forward, despite the fact that the Mavericks have Luka Doncic? I'll discuss that on tomorrow's edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. But let's get to tonight's game. And let's set the stage very simply, but also very straightforward. We are not even a third of the way through the season. So conference standings, division standings, with there being nearly 50 games left for most teams, or actually over 50 games for most teams left in this season, we're far from anything being certain right now for any team. We see every NBA offseason that where teams are in December has very little bearing on where, where they will eventually be come April. But that doesn't mean that stretches this early in the season won't carry significant impact as the season progresses. And for the Dallas Mavericks, they're going through one of those stretches right now. Last night, the Mavericks lost to the Nets, um, 102-99, a very poor shooting night, a very frustrating night for Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis, who had come back from injury since they played against the Grizzlies, or since they didn't play against the Grizzlies on Saturday night, despite, you know, pretty good efforts from both of them, the Mavericks couldn't get the job done. And now the Mavericks sit at 11 and 12. Now, they're clearly in the playoff picture. They're right now in the seventh spot in the play-in position. But the reason why tonight is a very significant game for the Mavericks, and I won't go as far to say it's a must-win, but I will say tonight is a very critical game for the Mavericks, and for that reason, for the Grizzlies, is because of where the standings are and potentially where the Grizzlies could position themselves moving forward against the Mavericks. Because right now, the Grizzlies have a two game or two games above the Mavericks in the standings right now. The Grizzlies right now stand in sixth place in the Western Conference division. 
Whereas the Mavericks, like I mentioned, are in the are, are currently in seventh place in the division. And the difference between both teams, excuse me, actually, they're a two and a half game lead. The Grizzlies are at 14 and 10, while the Mavericks are at 11 and 12. But the Grizzlies being two and a half games up in the standings on the Mavericks, yes, there certainly is more than enough time for that to be made up. But it becomes harder when you really start to think about the fact that the Grizzlies' defense is improving, they're doing this without some of their better talents, and especially they're doing it without John Morant. But if the Grizzlies were able to get a victory tonight, that means that the Grizzlies would now be three and a half games up in the division, three and a half games up in the conference, and the Grizzlies would also have two wins so far this season against the Mavericks. That means that the Mavericks may have to be at least four to five games better than the Grizzlies for the rest of this season just to have a chance to win the division, which certainly is a boost when it comes to playoff time. And I don't know if we can honestly say with confidence that the Mavericks right now are in any position to where you could confidently say they can play four to five games better than the Grizzlies moving forward. That's the reason why tonight is, is so important of a game for the Mavericks, but also for the Grizzlies as well. The Grizzlies have a golden opportunity to really take good control of not only the Southwest Division, but also really putting themselves in a favorable position to get a top six spot in the West for the playoffs. So that's why it's a very important game for both the Grizzlies and the Mavericks because there is a lot at stake even though we're only a, we're only you know a third of the way basically through the season less than that actually. This is going to be the 25th game for the Grizzlies this year. But again, when you see how both teams are playing right now and when you consider what the Grizzlies will still have to add to their team with John Morant, Kyle Anderson, Brandon Clark eventually coming back, and the improved defense with Dylan and Jaron, you don't see as much of that on the Mavericks side of things to look forward to. So again, if the Grizzlies win tonight, that basically means that the Mavericks going forward are going to have to be a four or five more win team than the Grizzlies to win the division. And I don't know if you could say with confidence that that is really something you feel will happen. But the thing that stands out also is that tonight, with that in play, with that motivation in play, the Mavericks are likely going to have Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis playing. And that is a significant development. That, in all honesty, does swing the talent advantage to the, to the Mavericks side of things. Luka Doncic is the best player on either roster. Kristaps Porzingis is a significant talent as well. So this time around, the Grizzlies probably do not have the talent advantage like they did this past Saturday night. So it's become to come even more critical for if the Grizzlies want a chance to win, which they still could do, it's going to become even more critical that the Grizzlies simply play effective, smart basketball. That's the big thing. If the defense can stay as it can be, and you feel to an extent it will, and if the Grizzlies can continue to have two of the three of Melton, Bain, and Jackson Jr. get 20 points apiece, and you maybe get 40 to 50 points between those three, or between the duo of those three players. And then you have other players like a Tyus Jones and a Steven Adams stepping up. If those things can continue to happen, the Grizzlies will be in a good position to win the game. But 
They cannot play like they have done over the past two games. I feel I know I said that on Monday. I know I said that on Monday night. They did, and yet they won the game. But in all honesty, if they continue to do that, it's going to eventually catch up with them. And I think for a motivated Mavericks team that is likely going to have the talent advantage with Luka and Kristaps, if the Grizzlies can't take care of the basketball, if they can't make their free throws, and they're not converting good looks from three, the Grizzlies are going to have a very tough time winning this game. I clearly do think that the Grizzlies can because they're they're obviously playing the better brand of basketball right now. They're the better defensive team. The Mavericks over the past 10 games are 22nd in the league in offensive rating and 20th in the league in defensive rating. Meanwhile, the Grizzlies now are the fifth best offense in the league and over the past two weeks have had a top five defense as well. The Grizzlies are playing better basketball right now. But they're going to be going against, they're going to be going into a game tonight where for the second straight time, they're going to be playing a, a roster that is of equal or better talent. And so that means that the Grizzlies are going to have to play the best version of the basketball that they can as a roster right now without a lot of mistakes. And that's simply what it's going to come down to. We know how to beat the Mavericks. And even with Luka and Kristaps, it's the same thing. Hopefully Dylan can limit Luka to the point to where he's more inefficient than he's effective. You hope that Kristaps doesn't find, you know, a lot of success himself. And you've got to make sure that a Tim Hardaway or a Jalen Brunson Don't step up and have big games also. But if the Grizzlies can simply play to their talent level while also playing efficient basketball, I think they'll be in a position to win. But you're going to have a highly motivated Mavericks team facing off against the Grizzlies tonight. But the Grizzlies should have every reason to be motivated as well. Because if Memphis can win this game, they do find themselves in a very, very favorable position, both in the division and the Western Conference playoffs. So all the motivation in the world for them to take advantage of tonight. Can't thank you enough for joining us for this edition of Locked on Grizzlies. Again, on tomorrow's episode, we're going to talk about how, we're going to recap, obviously, a big game between the Grizzlies and the Mavericks and how the Grizzlies, continuing to do the right things as an organization, are putting them in a position to where they're not really having to worry about the negative impact of things like other teams in similar positions the Mavericks are because of how well the organization is structured. That and much more on tomorrow's edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Again, check out the the podcast wherever it's available. Find us on YouTube. It's been a pleasure being with you. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.